0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week is also super fun. We're talking to St. Paul Peterson. Here's the story. The Peterson family have been a musical dynasty in Minneapolis for decades. And Paul has been a part of that. And And in his late teens, he was pegged to join Morris Day in the Time for the Ice Cream Castles album. That's the one with Jungle Love, The Bird, all the big hits. Well, from there, I think as everyone pretty much remembers, the 80s, Prince was just, his creativity could not be stopped. And so he had a number of side projects that he used as outlets for all of his songs and more of his music. And The Family was one of those outlets. And he pegged Paul and his girlfriend, Susanna Melvoin, who was uh, Wendy's sister, to be co lead singers of The Family. They put out one album in 1985, they had a mild hit with a song called Screams of Passion that you might remember. It's This is a really rare one, folks. Uh, they also were the first ones to do Nothing Compares to You. Paul sang that, in fact. So they didn't last very long either. And from that, Paul gets a solo deal. And he goes solo. And unfortunately, his solo career is great, but it's also kind of up and down in terms of success. In fact, I've just been driving around... ...running some errands, and I was listening to the first Robbie Neville CD... ...you know, with C'est La Vie and Dominoes and stuff... ...that's kind of the vibe that Paul's solo career was going in... At, ...at the beginning. Well, anyway, this became parlayed into a very successful career as a hired gun... ...as a sideman, and he's playing with people like... ...Steve Miller, Donnie Osmond, Alita Adams, Kenny Loggins... ...and has been doing this for decades, ever since... Now, he also has, still has his own solo career, and he recently put out a brand new album called Break On Free that is so funky and so good. Again, this is a guy whose who's, uh, career goes back to Prince and goes back to the Minneapolis sound of, uh, you know, Jam and Lewis. That's what we're dealing with here. So the Break On Free album sounds very much a part of all that kind of stuff. You will love it. In fact, we did this conversation a few months ago, and I've just been hanging on to it because I wanted to wait until the new album came out. And also, he has his own podcast called Music on the Run because he's really into running, and he talks to a lot of the people he used to work with about music, but then also staying in shape, okay? So there's a lot to get to in here, and it's really, really fascinating. Maybe you know his story, maybe you don't. I went under the assumption that you wouldn't. And so I wanted to just tell you about St. Paul Peterson. It's fascinating stuff. A huge, huge thanks goes out to our buddy Scotty Coomer for helping me put this together. Paul called me from his home, well, his home, his office, I should say, outside of Minneapolis. First and foremost, I don't always start at the beginning because that's kind of the usual way things go. But I am curious with you, because of, the Peterson family being such a musical institution, I guess, around Minneapolis. Did you grow up thinking you would do anything else or was it always music? Absolutely
1: not. No. Uh See, I'm the baby of the family and I, Uh I didn't know that you could do anything else. There was always music in my house. All my uh, brothers and sisters were either, on the verge of becoming or are, were already professional musicians. My mother and father were both professional musicians. Mm-hmm. And I thought everybody's parents were all professional musicians. So the answer to your question is no, I never yeah. even considered anything else.
0: Yeah. That's funny you say that because my I grew up, my dad taught piano my whole life. And oh, he was the great. conductor of symphonies and choirs oh. and things like that. But I never wanted to do that. I I interesting. Want to, no, and I but I love music, but I didn't I tried. He and it's probably this maybe you felt this way, maybe you didn't. So I grew up as more of an athlete and I wanted to play basketball. And there Got was it. no way my dad was gonna come play basketball with me. He was not equipped to do that at all. He wanted me to come play the violin or yeah, the piano, and I didn't sure. want to do that either. You know what I mean? And so we right. it ended up being this thing that instead of bringing oh. us together became like a rebellion, you know? Oh, that's too bad, man. Yeah. Did you, you never felt these kinds of rebellious, like, I don't want to do what my parents want me to do?
1: No, no. <laughs> I wanted to be too on the fun. gigs with my mom.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: My, my, my father passed away when I was super young. 48 so, years old, uh,
0: if I remember right, you said
1: four years old so one way my mom could find a babysitter for me when i was old enough is she would take me on gigs and that was literally when she was traveling throughout the the world she'd just bring me along when i was very small but as i got older it wasn't that i needed a babysitter i just wanted to be on the gigs so she'd bring me along as a musician she put me to work from the time i was 15. wow now who was she singing for? What was she doing? She was a solo artist but she also worked at one of the biggest radio stations in the upper midwest called WCCO. Okay. A AM radio, a 50,000 watt radio station and my father worked there as well. And she got a big name out of that in the god I'm trying to think I can never get this straight my sister knows these figures better but I think it was the 40s and 50s, she was there, something like that, in her youth. Okay. okay. But that's way before they were spinning records. They had live orchestras at these stations, wow. and people would sit around and listen to the radio. And these personalities were huge back in those days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So
1: you're growing up,
0: I guess, I don't know, gigging around Minneapolis, wherever, pl- probably playing with a lot of your siblings, maybe your mom. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, you're on vacation in Florida or something, and your manager or somebody calls you and says you want to try out for the time, and you have like a well, day. Let me
1: let me this. straighten that out for you. I was okay. in Minnesota. Oh, I had just graduated from high school, the Academy of the Holy Angels. Oh. Holy guy, I am, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was up on vacation partying with my uh. best friend. I got a phone call from my brother-in-law who happens to be Bobby Z's first cousin. Oh, So he's related to the Rifkin family. Got it. He was married to my, or is still married to my sister, Patty, but I was in a band with him all throughout high school called bandwagon. And this is me working in high school six nights a week, you know, and still maintaining some sort of a grade point average. Anyway, he called me. Recommended me to join or to audition for this to his cousin Bobby, and next thing I knew, you know, I I did that audition. It's funny, man. I just got off the phone with Jesse Johnson about you did. He called me three, three or four days ago. He'll call me from time to time. You know, Mm -hmm. you know, every other year or something like that. But he'll call me and say, "Paul, how you doing, man?" I'm like (laughs) Jesse. But anyway, so our conversations usually last an hour and a half to two hours, and he's always got a guitar in his hand. Uh-huh. He's playing great, and I'm just you know listening to him, and we're trading stories. And I finally got a chance to thank him for changing the course of my career, because yeah. it was his decision to hire me as the keyboardist in the time. and It was nice for me, and that's where I'm at in my life, is making sure the people who've made an impact on me – know how much I appreciate that. Yeah. So I've been able to go back to people like Steve Miller, Jesse, Prince, even before he passed, obviously. And who else am I thinking of? Uh, Donnie
0: Osmond, maybe? Kenny, La- Kenny
1: Loggins, Donnie. Yeah. I mean, all these guys who who allowed me to make a living and it made a huge impact on me or my career. I've been, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you, when you come from being grateful, that's a, yeah. that's a nice place to come through.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you're how old? 17, 18 years old, if I remember right, when you auditioned for the time? Mm -hmm. Okay. And you're auditioning because Morris has just fired Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis for getting snowed in and missing a date or something like that, right? Well,
1: Morris didn't fire him. Prince fired him.
0: Prince fired them. Okay.
1: Okay. Morris didn't want to ever get rid of him because those were his brothers. Okay. They'd been through thick and thin together. Prince gets rid of him and brings in these Korean dudes from the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I want nothing to do with these new guys. Right. So it was an interesting ride. Not only culture shock for me and music shock, yeah. but then this, you know, the leader of the band isn't even present 90% of the time. And I understand that now is a grown man. You know, he it's exactly what I said. His best friends just got fired. And he's like, yeah why well, this isn't the band that I signed up yeah. to be in,
0: okay, so that was my question. So when you audition, Morris isn't around. sounds like Jesse is maybe some of the other guys,, yeah. and Morris is fine hiring whoever those guys decide needs the job or deserves the job, and you're that guy, evidently, okay. you're the only white guy in the band, right? yeah,
1: yeah, yeah so I had to based think on the that album second. cover,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those guys had to be local legends. I mean, you are well aware at that point who Prince and Morris Day and the Time and everything are. So you knew the weight of what you were auditioning for before you went in there, correct? Heck yeah! Yeah,
1: okay. absolutely. Yeah, and th- thank goodness my my training ground happened from the time I was born right up until that moment. You know, I, I uh, preparation really is uh, was something that I was taught and then strive to always be as prepared as humanly possible because you know you don't want to you you don't ever want to come in not having your stuff Mm -hmm. together right Mm -hmm. Uh, and especially growing up in my family with a bunch of monster players you had to always bring your a game so they taught me that so i showed up with my a game i knew my parts i knew how to sing and play and did did the best i could do at that particular point in time until they honed me in but yeah, it worked out. So,
0: okay, so your your inaugural thing is to be on the Ice Cream Castles album, Double Platinum, Jungle Love, The Bird are on this album – Rain is happening around this time and sure is. you're one of the biggest acts in the world. What, what leads, I know that Morris calls it quit quits shortly after this. I never mm-hmm. understand why when people achieve the success that they've been trying for, for years or achieve their biggest success, why is that the moment to pull the plug? Do you know why Morris well, stepped away? Was it Prince related? I can't for
1: say for certainty, but I can say as a uh, I can comment on why people break away from bands yeah. at that particular moment. Number one, they probably have opportunity yeah. that they never had before, and they have options and they have financial gain yeah. and they have to really consider boys, is this something that I should do? They're actually offering me a few more zeros here. The question becomes, can you pull it off? Yeah. Right? He was probably asking himself that same question. Mm-hmm. I know I was when I got offered the extra zeros on my, you know, paycheck. Mm-hmm. So that's usually and there was dissension in the band mm-hmm. for him. You know, I didn't have any dissension because I was just happy to be there. Sure. But that was not the band that he saw himself in. Mm-hmm. You know, that 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 went with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Jesse and, you know, that went down the road. So he smelled a solo career for himself. Mm-hmm. Probably was a good time for him to jump off and do that because the opportunities were there. I'm just assuming, but. Right. Did you, do? you, did you stay
0: much in touch with Morris after that?
1: He and I have had very many exchanges, very nice good. exchanges. I, in fact, I had an opportunity to tell him thank you as well good. for, you know, allowing me to, come into a band that i knew he didn't necessarily you know want his brothers to leave but i i got the chance to thank him as well i did a full review because i was really interested in how he looked at that time period when he had left prince and when he was going what he was going through and he never mentioned the new guys uh in the time ever once and i wondered why he did that and i said well paul first of all this ain't about you yeah this is morris's morris's story and i was kind of like I felt a little chilted that he wouldn't say anything. And then I went, he probably spared me. Mm. And I even said this in my review and that I sent to him and him only. I did not publicize it at all. Mm. I thought it was a super well-written from his point of view account of what he he went through. And, Mm. you know, I have a lot of respect for this guy. Mm -hmm. And we share a common problem and that's not being able to use the name, uh, you know, the family for me and more stay in the time for him. The prince called me into his office one day uh, when we were gonna when we were making the remake or the the, the comeback record ten years ago, mm-hmm. and he summoned me to Paisley. And this is when he and I started to get close again. And he said, You can't call this the family. You're missing this main songwriter. Mm-hmm. I went, Yeah, but this is you know, this is in the same vein. I thought you'd be happy to continue the name and you know the music is good i brought it with me It's like i don't even want to hear it you cannot call it the family without the main songwriter poet and musician i said well then come on man let's do a record together yeah we laughed and we had a good time and i also said you know i said look i'm not gonna fight you on this because i don't want to get sued my wife likes her house so (laughs) and that's basically what the whole thing was you don't want to fight that i totally understand where morris is coming from uh, those two were way closer than Prince and I were. Well, I didn't grow up with Prince. So, yeah. um, you know, I hope that, that that Morris is allowed to use that name. But, you know, it all comes down to legalities. It has nothing to do with feelings or, you know, warm fuzzies because that ain't what the estate's about. The estate yeah. is about making money, which is unfortunate. And hopefully they will reconsider in, you know, figure that out. I know the family uh, uh, pretty well. And, and I, I don't know what their official statement is on that, but I love those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I do a lot of work with them and I've, I've been close to them, especially since he, he has passed away and done a lot of work with those guys. So we'll see, huh? Yeah. I was going to mention, I mean,
0: for anyone who isn't aware recently, this letter kind of went viral about what it is um, ever. Yeah. About the family, the prince's estate basically not allowing Morris to use the name at the time, which seems doesn't seem fair or correct or anything. Most of the, I mean, I think all of the response I saw to this was in favor of Morris, and um, by extension, you too. But that's just a. It's a. Do you know what? I mean, do you know what motivated this? Do you know? What is the problem with Morris and you or Jesse or anyone else going out there calling themselves the Time? They were their own separate entity. I mean, Prince was involved, but Morris is his own town. He talent.
1: owns. He owns the name. Okay. okay. Simple as that. That's too bad. Or he claims to. Or he claims to own the name, but they claim to okay. own the name. Right. I was yeah, going to tell I, you, but I don't have any. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you please. I don't have any legal background on anything that's going on mm-hmm. internally at all, nor would I ever share that if I did. Sure. But I just wish that, you know, they could figure it out. You know, yeah. it, it just seems silly. We're we're old men now. <laughs> come on. Right. So let's talk about the family then. I mean, you come in
0: for Ice Cream Castles. It's one album. I don't know what the span of your involvement with that with the time was at that point, couldn't have been more than maybe a couple of years, maybe. Okay. And Prince comes to you and says, I'm starting a new group at the time. I mean, he's just multi, he's so powerful. There's Sheila E there's Apollonia. There's anything he touches. He's, he can't get enough. I see it as his own creativity out under his own name. So he's just Mm got to have like side projects, satellite projects to get it all out there. And the family is one of these things. And he plucks True. you as the front man. Why? Good question. <laughs>
1: I, I, I have my theories on this, but okay. it's not
2: fact. Mm.
1: I think he knew that I could sing mm-hmm. because in during the filming of Purple Rain, and I've said this in other interviews. Our dressing room at uh, First Avenue, the walls were basically fabric, mm. so. Prince was on this side of the fabric, more and the time, or on this side of the fabric. And Morris and I always would always have, like, sing-aughts. Mm-hmm. I'd sing a lick. He'd sing a lick. I'd try to match him. He'd try to match me. And I'm sure Prince was going, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. dude can sing. That's the only thing I can think of. Mm-hmm. And probably mm-hmm. the reputation of the Peterson family Which. at that point.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you know if Susanna Melvoin was jonesing for her own solo career at that point and hit this was know. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know either. So I got to tell you, I remember I've gone through, so I've rediscovered the family probably 10 years ago. And if I remember correctly, I was reading an article where I think it was Lisa Stansfield was counting down like her favorite 12 albums or something like that. And one of them was the family. And Mm -hmm. she's explaining what it is. And I'm thinking, this doesn't sound familiar to me. Do I even know what this is? And uh, I look it up on YouTube. I had been carrying around with me a visual of a video that I saw in the early days of Friday night videos in my head for probably 30 years. And I could not for the life of 25, 30 years. I could not for the life of me. I never saw the video again. I just had this visual of people dancing and I was, I had been, where did this video come from? Why do I have this image stuck in my head? It's like when you get a little bit of a song stuck in your head. Mm -hmm. I looked it up and it turns out it was the screams of passion video that I had seen on Friday night videos one night and never forgotten, but never known the band, the song, nothing. And there it was finally, fixed. to Lisa Stansfield. Let's So, Isn't that funny? <laughs> that is funny. What uh, I mean, you guys, I think only ever performed once, right? That's,
1: that's correct. Yep.
0: Well, I, I, if I remember correctly, from one of your, I think one of your episodes from your podcast, was it that was Prince just not as invested in the or focused on the family as much as you thought he might be when you started?
1: You gotta understand he was in the middle of the follow-up on Purple Rain, right? Yeah. So he's out of his mind busy. Mm-hmm. He's creating these acts, but his follow-through wasn't necessarily great, simply probably because he was so overwhelmed with all the things he had to do to run this conglomeration that he had and this this incredible corporation that he had rolling. He entrusted his managers to... Make sure we were taken care of. And if we weren't taken care of, which we weren't, Mm. then, you know, I'd go. I went to him and I said, man, they're not dealing with us, especially contractually. He said, talk to my managers. And I went, I I have talked to your managers. Mm -hmm. And I would talk to his manager and they'd say, sign it or don't. And so it was, um, I don't know if neglect is the right word. I think he probably was under the impression that it was being taken care of, but he was so busy doing his other thing, and things were moving so quickly. Then, not unlike what we were talking about with Morris, I was presented with incredible opportunities Mm -hmm. because of where I was and what was going on and the success of the time and even the first single on The Family. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it rolled.
0: Okay. How involved was Prince in the writing, recording, creation of the family's music? Because it sounds like it's up a Okay. That's what I thought. He wrote all of that too? Yeah.
1: Except yeah. for the instrumentals.
0: Okay. That's what I thought. I yeah. recently spoke with Susan Rogers, who's just about the yeah. greatest lady ever. Was I she, love her so much. Me too. Was she involved? Was she helping to engineer? Oh, yeah. or, okay.
1: Oh, Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. her and David Z, and uh, it was. I, I said that he wrote everything. That's not completely true. Bobby Z wrote a track on there, and Eric Leeds wrote the a lot of the saxophone lines on the instrumental. But Susan Rogers was there. Uh, David Rifkin was there. Jellybean was by my side when we were cutting vocals. Susanna was more with Prince during the creation of that than I ever was. You got to understand that he—I was very much a worker bee or a, an employee, and he would say, "Show up here to this," and I would. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I? I'd be crazy not to. Mm-hmm. So we were not necessarily tight. He would come in for a few of the sessions, and he loved what he was hearing. And if he didn't, that record would have been gone, or else I would have been gone. Mm-hmm. So as far as I know, that you know, he was happy with what was going on. So he he delegated that to, to David Z and okay. David Z was a known producer and he'd worked with Prince for years.
0: So you saying you made a comment a second ago that has me wondering, was Susanna not around in the studio as often as you were? she sounded- lived in LA. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I was in Minneapolis. Okay. So you guys weren't even around each other during the recording of that album.
1: No, not really. <laughs> no. Mm.
0: Mm. I mean, so, okay. So you weren't around each other during the recording. You only performed once. Uh, You've probably shot some videos and the album cover. That sounds like that's uh, almost the majority of your FaceTime with each other. That's not correct. Okay.
2: We
1: rehearsed for about eight months. Oh, okay. For that one gig. (laughs) Almost every day. Wow. So we knew each other really well. Okay, good through those rehearsals and we, and she's like my sister. We talk quite a bit to this day.
0: Okay, good. Um, okay. I was just trying to piece together how this all worked. So then when this, when the family disintegrates basically. Yeah. I mean, you have to be reeling a little bit. You've gone, yes, your family is in the music industry and you've had a successful, career but these are two bright <laughs> shining lights that any want any you know amateur musician would think was their absolute big break and neither one of them quite panned out the way that you wanted although i guess you hopped over and then made your saint paul solo album right after that you probably thought this is we're just going from win to win to win
1: Have time to stop and think. That's correct. Actually, I left the family. You did? Yeah. I mean, I got an offer that I couldn't refuse. Yeah. So I jumped ship. My family, my own personal family, thought I was nuts. (laughs) But I'm like, hey, y'all groomed me to do this. It's your fault. Yeah. I went over and did a record for MCA that I had my brother Ricky produce. And the rest is history. I did, you know, another record for Atlantic and. Yeah lots of tours and it's been great.
0: Okay. So you, uh, do you think if you hadn't left with the, with the ultimate, the story of the family have turned out different? Probably not. Right. Would there, is there a second album in there somewhere? Don't know.
1: Yeah. Never know. He, you know, he, with his, his pet projects, especially when there's girlfriends involved, it probably wouldn't have lasted that long. Um, Susanna would tell you the same thing. And, yeah. She told me this and I'm like, why is that? He said, he probably didn't want me to be stepping out, getting a, you know, a bunch of attention and that kind of thing. And, and it's fine that you left. It was all good. He is, he basically assimilated all those other people into the revolution at that point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. True. So, you know, although as it was as ugly as it got, mm-hmm. I still remain friends with those people. And they, they were very supportive of like, go get that money, St. Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like for you. I think I got to go do that. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it then- was it was frightening. I mean, I remember being 21 or 22 or something like that, and thinking when my kids were that age, how ballsy of a move that was to leave the, the world's most successful artist to go try things on your own. I mean, I would have looked at my kid and went, "Are you out of your mind?" <laughs> right. So
0: right. <laughs> right. No, no. We should say one of your daughters, Je- Jeannie Taylor? Jean Taylor. Jean yeah. Taylor is her, is a singer in her own right out in L.A., right? She, she is, yeah. Good for her.
3: Tuesday night, sitting alone. Car pulls up, now ready to go. It's an alley night. This is normal, right? Pulling up to a crowd in the yard. Walk right past the security guard. It's an alley night. And we're up so high. Another night for them, but not so much for me. I'm a world away from where I started this tonight, but it's alright. Yeah, it's alright.
0: doing great stuff trying to live
1: the dream man
0: yeah okay so then I, i you know i was alluding to maybe like the disappointment or whatever a little while ago are you feeling that when the solo career doesn't quite become huge or are you satisfied with the level of success that you achieved at that point
1: Oh, I, I think that I would have loved to have been his biggest as Prince. Yeah, well. You're yeah. 22 years old. You think you're going to be, I think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right. I'm sure I was disappointed. You know, I, I would have loved to have had more success, but, you know, uh-huh. God has a funny way of making sure that you're where you're supposed to be. I just don't question it, man. I I, I didn't question it then. I don't question it now. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Good. Obviously, I mean, you pivoted to a very
0: successful musical career as a sideman, a touring musician, a studio guy, a producer, all this stuff, which I want to ask you about all of that. If anything, everything that happened with Prince is just a preface to the rest of your career, which has been so fascinating. At what point after those two first solo albums what was the first gig that came? Was it Steve Miller? Was that the first thing that came along and you were like, here's my new life as a ses- as a sideband?
1: That actually came through while I was doing my first record, I think, or right in between my first and really? second record. Okay. 1988. Yeah. With Steve? With Steve and my two brothers.
0: So how did he, did he know who you were because the Peterson name had such cachet or did he... Had you met him at some point? Why did he pick you?
1: Ben Sidron, who has been so great to us, wrote Space Cowboy with Steve, mm-hmm. recommended to Peterson Brothers to go on the road with Steve for his comeback. Mm-hmm. I ended up playing guitar on that. Uh, I was in the midst of making my my second record. I got a call in New York City. He said, Paul, do you want to play guitar in the Steve Miller Band? I'm like, sure. I'm kind of in the middle of doing a record here. He said, "Yeah, just come out and do that." So I ended up being the guitar player for five years. Ricky remained the uh, the the keyboard player for the same amount of time, and then Brother Billy was with the Steve Miller Band for 25 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So then,
0: from Steve Miller, you kind of—I mean, it just bounced around—is probably the wrong term, but you just I. Hitched your wagon to Frampton, Kenny Loggins, Alita Adams, yeah. all these people. Yeah. When did Ke- now Kenny? From what I learned on your podcast, is the one for introducing you to running, which is a big part of your life.
1: True. Yeah. Okay. So the only reason I, I'm running is because of him, and I'll tell you why. I wanted to get to know Kenny. Mm-hmm. He said, "Well, meet me down in the lobby at at eight in the morning," um, and he said, "Bring your running shoes." I'm like oh no (laughs) no 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 i hated running but i'm like well you better go meet him where he's at yeah so i did got my running shoes on the guy smoked me and he's 20 what 20 years older than me he just smoked me and i was i don't remember where we were but i went all right well this isn't too bad i mean i'll figure this out and we, we bonded while we were running and I ended up loving it. And after I was done with the log and spend, I just kept going. Really? And I ran four this morning. I'm training for a marathon that's happening in, uh, I think it's in June, the grandma's marathon. And I wasn't necessarily too excited to sign up for another marathon. Cause I did. Chicago was my last marathon and it was not pretty, <laughs> but wow. Running for me is therapeutic and, uh, prayerful and, uh, mind clearing and, and, and grounding. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 absolutely love it and social for me yeah. too. Yeah. Do you, what year was this when he would have
0: turned you on to this when you were touring oh. with him?
1: Twenty two thousand and six, 2006, maybe seven, somewhere right. in there
0: because I've only seen Kenny in concert once and I was trying to remember it was in uh, Salt Lake city and it was probably 10 years ago and you yeah. were probably gone by then maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to remember the timeline. Um, okay. So tell me, tell me a, how you got hooked up with Donnie. I should say I grew up Mormon too. And so oh, cool. Donnie's, donnie has been in my life my entire life. He's, He's the world's most famous Mormon. He absolutely is. That's he absolutely
1: is. Yes, you're a very famous <laughs> Mormon. Right, it's true. I got. So tell how did you, this I happen? Just, uh, off shoot. Oh please. On our on our tour bus when I was uh, touring with Donnie, we had a we had a Mormon, we had a Catholic, uh, Jehovah Witness, and an atheist. Sounds <laughs> like the beginning of a bad joke, doesn't it? <laughs> But it made for great bus lore because we all loved each other, and yeah. we just didn't have the same belief system going on. so but it was all right. good. That is you great. know we teased each other, and ribbed each other and yeah. and it was it was awesome. So Donnie, I met because the producers of my second record when I was in New York, um, Carl Sturkin and Evan Rogers produced Donnie Osmond's big comeback record. My manager said that's correct. So, and, and my single is Stranger to Love.
0: That's right.
3: Seems enough.
1: figure we were pretty close. Yeah. Yes. So I went in to meet my producers and they were producing Donnie Osmond at the time. So I walk in the studio and Donnie is doing something stupid and silly and he and I kind of had that instantaneous connection mm-hmm. that you don't get with many people and I wasn't starstruck or anything like that. We hit it off, man. And we've been like brothers mm-hmm. since, you know, 1989. We've done so many projects together. We produced his nephews together. Uh, I did this um, television show with him. I mean, I he called me on the phone. I, I called him and I said, dude, you're doing a television show without me. He said, you're in Minnesota. Are you sure you want to do that? I went, yeah. So I ended up when my kids were really little, my wife and I had a conversation and she said, "You you have to go do this. Yeah. My wife is the greatest human on planet earth. Good. She knew I'd be super disappointed and probably resentful if I wasn't able to go do that. Plus it was a great opportunity for our family. Mm-hmm. So I went up there, did that. That lasted a couple of years. And then Donnie started making records again with the great Phil Ramone, who produced Barbara Streisand, Billy Joel, um, yep. Billy Joel. Yeah. He asked me to be his musical director and Phil Ramon took me underneath his wing. That was a great ten-year run with Donnie. And right we had such a blast. That's wild. Sure what is. did
0: you do with Alita Adams? She's been on here. I love Alita. She is she's such so, such a nice lady. How did you get connected I love with
1: her too. She was doing a record probably around I want to say early 2000s, my brother Ricky produced her. Okay. So my brother Ricky always hired me to be his bass player, programmer, guitar player, whatever. So I met Olita and her husband John. We had a beautiful, fantastic time recording this record, and uh, I said, look, if you ever need a bass player to go on the road with you, I would love to go. And she said, matter of fact, I do. So I did it I think a 10 or 12 year run with her and her husband. Wow.
0: When you're doing that, working with Alita on it for 10 or 12 years, I'm guessing your schedule is blocked out. Like, okay, I've got to spend the month of February and March with Alita. And, but then I can spend April and May with Kenny and I can spend June and July with Donnie or whatever. Is that sort of how this works as a guy in your situation?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I wish it was that smooth. Really? Really? Sometimes you have to pick someone who's going to be your main act and then tell the other people that, you know, I'm going to be sending a sub once in a while. Mm -hmm. It happened to work out with Olita and Kenny that they didn't cross paths very much at all. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I sent a sub to Kenny's gig. Sometimes I sent a sub to Olita's gig. Uh, You know, they don't love that. Yeah, they want you to commit, but they don't put you on retainer either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being an independent musician, you know, you really you just have to make up your mind what you're willing to do and what's going to be better for you musically and for your family. Yeah, but it really actually worked out pretty darn well.
0: Good. We try to cover sensitively the business side of things on here. You just touched on something that I'd never thought of before. So they don't put, if someone doesn't put you on retainer. Do you get paid by the tour, by the show, by the month? How does that break down? You don't have to get specifics on what the payment is, but Mm -hmm. I am
1: curious how this works. Depends on how long they're going out for. Okay. So, for example, sometimes it's by the gig. Sometimes it's by the week. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if if you're going out for six months, they'll pay you by the week, Mm -hmm. right? But if you're going out for the weekend, they'll pay you by the gig. Okay. A lot of the gigs with Lolita or Old were, uh, you know, one-offs okay. here and there. She, rightly so, couldn't say, "I'm going to pay you for a weeks worth of work." Mm-hmm. It was a lot of uh, doing uh, many, many different jobs to make one good career. Got it.
0: Okay. Uh, by the way, I meant to ask about this earlier. You touch on on your podcast the Steve Miller tour or era as being especially kind of wild and crazy. You don't have to go into too much detail, but I am curious what you're referring to. If you don't mind, <laughs> are, am I, are uh, you referring to the obvious things that we, we can imagine? I would say more partying than anything else. Okay. Okay. Is that because Steve That's Miller is a big time partier? Hell no. Pardon okay. <laughs> no, but That's I was, Why this was kind of shocking to me. You were, no, but I, you know, if,
1: if you go back to those times, I had great, I had great, a great mullet, great hair. I was a kid playing stadiums with the Grateful Dead and Steve Miller. And I was like having the time of my life and drinking and, you know, just hungover. And then I'd run with my brother to get blast out the hangover and do it all over again. So. That lasted about as long as that gig lasted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it, that is not a sustainable way to live your life. So a lot has changed since then. But that's yeah, what been, I'm referring to.
0: You've been clean for a
1: while, right? I mean, 20. 20, 20, 20 well, years let me think now. Hold on. 23 years last 23. January.
0: Okay. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. And you've Thank been you. married for 31, 32 years? hmm.
1: 31 my, and my daughter just got engaged this weekend.
0: Oh, and that awesome. Oh, are you happy or is it scary?
1: Oh man. It's great. This okay. kid and his family are a number one.
0: Good. My daughter's only 14, but she's starting to hit. She's in high school now. Good luck with I'm, that
1: brother, man. <laughs> that's <laughs> what I'm saying. You'll it's, be fine.
0: Okay. So, I mean, she's a great girl, you know, Dean's list, yep. all this kind of stuff. Um, it's just, you know, like most teenagers, they become angsty and sullen and her body's going through changes. She likes boys and
1: it's scary. You know what I mean? Just hang in there, man. Okay. Just be a good dad, which I'm sure you will be.
0: That's what I'm trying to do. Because my,
1: my girls are 29 and 26 and they're, we have the most beautiful relationship. Good. Uh, it's just, it's great. It just gets better and deeper and different. Yeah. That's great.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you about, I mean, I, I can imagine. So we've, we've just established that you go from the time to the family to your own solo stuff, which is mm-hmm. in a similar RB new Jack swing kind of vein, but you're also going to play with Steve Miller. Who's mm-hmm. playing with the grateful dead mm-hmm. and are you more adept? I know when you make your solo, your solo albums are all largely on the R and B vein. Mm-hmm. Is it a big jump for you to be able to acclimate yourself with people like Steve Miller or the dead or Kenny or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or is it just music is music? It's more like math.
1: You just got to be able to do it with authenticity Yeah. and the right attitude, but music is music and you have to know and understand and appreciate why they play the way they play and what what the parts are in any genre of music. Mm-hmm. What's the concept? Mm-hmm. How do I feel the concept and how do I play the song? Mm-hmm. That holds true in any genre. Yeah,
0: that's true. Did you work with Anita Baker somewhere along the line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love her. Um, Played on her record. Yeah, Rhythm of Love, I believe, right? I think, early I think 90s. so. I think that's the name yeah. of you know how did you interact with
1: her very much you know she invited me to come down to her house in detroit Mm. and i remember being there getting having plenty to drink the night before and then going in the next day hanging out with her and she her house that she had me recording with the mobile truck in the back she was it was absolutely empty so the only thing that connected us were the headphones and the microphone and it was great. I mean, we had yeah. a great time. I think I was there for a couple of days. We got along great. She didn't treat my brother very well. My brother co-wrote some of that stuff on that record yeah. and never got credit. Miss Anita. Mm-hmm. He ought to square it out away. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. I, um, I'm, I love her first couple of albums of course, two or three. And, um, but I've, I've always wondered, I've, Maybe I'll cut this out. I've heard she's difficult to work with. And um, that's I'm fine with me, but. Really? Okay. Yeah. The credits and the financial side.
1: That was rotten. Right. Yeah. I mean, I got paid, but my brother did not.
0: That's too bad. That's too Man, bad. It is too bad. Okay. What about George Benson? Oh, we can talk about George. Okay. I love George Benson. No, I love George Benson. I believe it. You probably love him yeah. more than I do.
1: Well, I grew up idolizing him. I love his music. And uh, when he came to Paisley Park, he was being produced by my brother Ricky and um, Tommy LaPuma. And I work with those guys all the time. So I go into this session, Michael Bland on drums, me, Ricky. I think that was it. And George, of course. And we... I, I bet you we took we took the first take on most everything that we played. It was the most glorious musical record I think I've ever been a part of. He loved everything we did. I got to play his guitar. I was playing rhythm guitar because that's what they wanted me to do. And he's like, don't play that guitar, play mine. And he handed me his guitar. I got to write a song with him. We're friends to this day, and he's one of those guys that, you know, he's a legend, but he's just a great man. Yeah,
0: seems like it. I got to see him. I saw him in concert once. It would have been early 2000s. Did you tour with him or perform no. with him or uh-huh. anything like that? Okay, No. Just, uh-huh.
1: okay.
0: All right. Just, just trying, the record. I'm trying to piece together if I've seen you in concert before.
1: Um uh-huh. you, I don't know.
0: Maybe, maybe. What about, um, what about Paula Abdul? Did you have something to do with Paula Abdul?
1: I did. Yeah. She was my choreographer on my rich man video. She, you know, I became very close friends in the middle eighties and she, um, she said, you know, I've got this demo record deal that I I need songs. And I'm like, I just played on a song for my friend Oliver Lever in Minneapolis. And I had the cassette on me and I, I said, well, here, you should listen to this. I just played on this. This is a really good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Check it out. And the rest is history. Those two created some incredible hits. And I played on all those records, not all those records, the first record and the second record, I think. And man she have a great career and still continues to have a great career
0: so wait you're you're playing on like straight up and cold hearted and stuff like
1: those or- two songs you just mentioned i'm not playing on <laughs> i played on uh forever your girl yeah um, opposites attract okay and if i was at my studio you would see the gold records I- on my wall <laughs> from that instead you get the window treatment. Right. <laughs> I don't get your window treatment, Mr. Blur.
0: You get I, mine. <laughs> I blur it because I work out of my laundry room. When um, uh-huh. when COVID came around, my wife and I both have regular jobs, and uh, she took our office, and um, I wasn't going to go into an office anymore, so I put a table in our in our laundry room and started working there because it didn't matter. So that's right. where we are. That's where we are today. Yeah. Good for you. Um, Okay. I wanted to ask you when, when I, we have some Patreon supporters, I always let them know who I'm um, talking to. They're welcome to submit questions if they want. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andy Shawl is, he wanted me to tell you, he is from Minneapolis, by the way, Northeast. And he said, he said, why is Bunker's Music Bar and Grill a cool place for musicians to play?
1: You know, I don't know what the answer is to that, but it's been cool for 35 years. Yeah. It just is, man. Sometimes you can't explain the cool.
0: Okay. He says, uh, that is where I saw Jellybean Johnson in November at the Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis tribute show. He said, uh-huh. I think he said I think Paul stood next to my table, but I was too nervous to say hi. So
1: oh, come you know. on, Andy. I know. I'm oh, sure he's kicking himself
0: now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, how did your, and he also wants to know about your family. I mean, obviously being there in Minneapolis, he knows that the Petersons are an institution. Where did it begin? Was it your parents who started a musical career locally and it just took off? Where did, where was the germ of all
1: of this? Yeah. I mean, professionally speaking, it was my mom and dad. Okay. They were great musicians and and had wonderful careers and they had us and it was a We loved it as well, and it was a gift that we got as well. And, Uh I mean, that's really it. It's all about our family. And the the cool thing, John, is that we started a – when my mom passed, we started a scholarship in jazz studies at the University of Minnesota. We've had a couple of fundraisers, and we're – that scholarship is is, – I think we've had like four or five recipients, and it's going really strong, and it'll outlast all of us good. It's important to support live music and especially jazz education. Mm -hmm.
0: That's fantastic. Um, I wanted to know about, so you, we kicked off this conversation before we were actually recording. You're in your office at the church you work at. So tell me about the church. Tell me about this other job.
1: Well, I'm a man of faith, right? And, uh, this opportunity came by came up this is where my kids were confirmed and and took religion classes and i think i was here doing something with my production company and they said you do music sometimes don't you and i went yeah sometimes i do music they said well we're looking for someone to come in here and run this music program here and reinvigorate you know our community in the in the catholic faith and I went, okay, well, let me act as a, uh, you know, like a, uh, uh, someone who can help find you, someone who can come in here. A consultant. I couldn't come up with the word. I got okay. it now. Yes. Yeah. The deeper I got into this, I went, you know, the only person I'm really wanting to tour with now is doing my own thing. And besides doing my production company stuff, I want, you know, This is something that I've always been passionate about. I've played at church all the time, uh, you know, when I'm at home. Mm -hmm. These guys gave me the flexibility to be able to tour when I have to tour. If I can make a difference in someone's life, you know, through this place, I figured it would be a good thing to do. And that's so I am here, St. Patrick's Catholic Church in Edina, Minnesota. And it's a big blessing, man. It's been a lot of fun, a big learning curve, you know. But St. Yeah. It, it, Paul's in the, it <laughs> isn't at St. Patrick's. That's right. <laughs> and that's so great. You're working on a solo album too, right?
0: So what's the, what's the, uh, you call it, you, uh, something free. I've read it on Break your website. On free. Break on free.
1: Yeah. yeah what's the see. story there? Well, hold on here. Let me, uh, let me see if I can find something for you. Hold on, you ready? Yes. Everybody knows it's time to go higher. Very cool. Hey, you know what
3: I'm talking about? Talking about a free line, free mind, freestyle. Talking about a free line, free mind,
0: freestyle. Oh, free. I love there it. There you go. Okay. I have two questions about this. Number one, a song like that at a time like now feels like a message. You're speaking specifically to our current state of the the world.
1: Why? A lot of the record does because it's people need to wake up and and be more empathetic and compassionate and not as reliant on that Mm -hmm. or the TV or whatever for their, The way they react and and deal with other humans. We ain't on this planet long enough to do what we're doing to each other right now. You know, I I also put loves and love loves in need of love today on there.
3: Good morning, friends. Here's your friendly announcer. I have serious news to pass on to everybody, what I'm about to say could be the world's disaster, could change your joy and laughter to tears. that love.
1: As our The only thing that's going to heal this world is music. Yeah. And music brings together – the reason I say that is because music brings together people across political lines, sexuality lines, religious lines. It's about togetherness. We need more of that and less of what we got now. And if I could be a, a small part mm-hmm. in that and we can reunite some people via music, well, then I've done my job.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's tough out there. There's a uh, very tense time. tense time. Yeah, it is. Um, I want to ask you too, and I, I'm glad you played some of this for me because I had this question and I wasn't sure quite how to broach it. And again, going back to your podcast, I can't remember the name of it and I don't think you can either. There's some kind of a vocal issue that you have, right? What's it called? It's a big, long medical name. Oh. You don't even oh, have to I say think-
1: Dis, vocal dysphonia or something like that. Okay, I, you can hear it in my speaking voice right now. Right, that's where I, I suffer from it. Is is in my speaking voice. It's interesting because I it's listen. Pain to your in podcast. the butt is what well, it
0: is. Okay, so this is. I wanted to bring it up because when I listen to your podcast, first, granted, I listen to all my podcasts at like two and a half speed. I don't notice it as much. I have noticed it since we've been talking, and my question was, does it affect you when you sing? But it obviously no. doesn't because when I was hearing mm-hmm. that right then, it sounded great. Isn't that weird? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I wish I could explain it to you, brother, but I just it is what it is. And I've been dealing with it for like 10 years. Crazy. When I get when I get tired, I, I, I hear it more. And I'm coming towards the end of a very emotional four or five days. I lost my brother-in-law. Then my kid's getting engaged. Yeah. And I'm tired. And when I'm fatigued, it affects yeah. my voice more. So... No, that's good to have that out there. And it's, you know, look, if that's all I got to deal with in my life, I am blessed beyond measure.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. I only have a couple of questions left. One
0: I meant to ask earlier and I skipped over it. When you heard Sinead O'Connor singing Nothing Compares to You, what are you thinking about?
3: It's been seven hours and 13 days. Since you took your love away, oh 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 oh, oh, oh. I go out every night and sleep all day. Since you took your love away, oh 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 oh. oh. Since you've been gone, I could do what. I can see whomever I choose. Oh, 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 oh. I can eat my dinner in the fancy restaurant, but nothing. I said nothing can take away this blues. Cause no. It's been so lonely without you
1: Yikes.
0: Really? Because for anyone who doesn't know, that song originated on the Family's album.
1: You're singing that song. Yeah. I didn't like it. Um, But now that I'm, you know, 35 years beyond that, what I wasn't taking into effect is how great of a production that is. How great of a performance that is, and how great of a song that is. Mm-hmm. What I was thinking about when I was critiquing it was, that's supposed to be me. <laughs> that's what I. And it's supposed to be you, Sinead. Right. And that's all. That's all that it was about. Yeah. Do I do I like my version better? Heck yeah, yeah. I like my version. I think it's way more emotional and right. It's just different. Yeah. And I was very happy for her that she had the success. I said the same thing to Prince. He said, "Did you like that?" And I went, "Not especially." He said, "Well, me neither." And I'm like, wow. Really? Oh. he don't. I said, "Well, dude, I'm happy for you that you made that money on that song." Uh-huh. He's like, "Money?" This ain't about money. No. He just he wanted to be able to have control over who couldn't who could not cover songs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry, you unless you change the law, You can't control
0: that. Speaking of control, why is the family album so hard to find? The video, even the screams of passion video is not on YouTube. It's not streaming. Take it down now again. Yeah. I went to find it again a month or two. Maybe it's there now. I went to find it about a month or two ago and it wasn't there. And there were just a couple of, I don't know. There was a live performance of you doing it, but I doubt it was that Mm -hmm. one live show. I think it was something else. I don't know probably
1: i'm sure at some point the stable will uh release that yeah it's never come out on spotify it did for half a second but somebody had bootlegged it mm. it'll probably come out again okay i'm not sure how they will release that if they'll find some other songs that we did or mm-hmm. add to it or remaster or rem- i don't know Okay. To cry. I hope they do. I mean, I not only for me, but for the millions of fans that are so uh, enthralled with this record, Questlove being one of them. Yeah. So many other people being one of them, uh, being you know fans of that record. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's a beautiful record. I'm just lucky to be one of the singers on it. It's one of Prince's finest works. Really, it is.
0: It is, and. I mean, no offense to you. I think you would agree. It's a crucial piece of the Prince puzzle and Prince not being here anymore. There are Prince completists out there who want every, if we want to understand Prince, especially during his peak period, which includes the family, that's a part of all of that. You got to be able to hear that to know for sure. It's a shame that it's not out there somewhere. The
1: F to Lark's album is
0: great okay good oh thank you
1: yeah yes i, I absolutely. love it. that record is a lot of fun and w- that's one of the reasons why i wanted to call it the family because of that it really was worthy absolutely of the, the name the family yes because it was just an adult version the only thing missing was prince
0: And he, super he, he buying that. No. And it's on Spotify and it's great. And, um, Thank you, so it's, um, yeah, I hope people will track that down too. Well, look, okay. So tell me what your, lastly, tell me what your favorite story is. When you go out running with people, do you run every day? How often do you, run, how long no. do you run?
1: <laughs> I wish I had time like that. Okay. I'm probably three, three times a week. Okay. Now that I'm training, it's more like four times a week.
0: Okay. Okay. And do you, uh, it's, so here's a, when I talked to Scott, I was telling him this. I'm 6'8", 290. I'm not built for, I'm not built for running at all. But about 10 years ago, I was really into it for a while. Not, I never got good. I could run about three or four miles, maybe five times a week. And I always did it on treadmill, um, which I know runners hate treadmills. But I preferred it because it would tell me that I only had about 10 minutes left until I could quit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, uh,
1: no, I love running outside, man. It's, I run outside all winter long unless it's
0: below zero. Okay. That's what, that's what I was going to ask you about because Minneapolis, obviously, gigantic, heavy win- winters. Where do you mm. do you run? Where do you run? Do you run in the snow? What do you do?
1: Well, there's trails around the lakes that are in the, right in the heart of the city okay and it's stunningly beautiful all four seasons of the year yeah and it's just it's a great way to stay in shape great way to uh get outdoors and get some fresh air into your lungs and and i i I love it come on over to see music on the run podcast.com and check out my podcast and there's a lot of information on there i'd love to have there some is. of your fans come over and check my podcast out as well.
0: Same and same. I'm going to be mentioning it, uh, <clears throat> putting the link in there in the show notes, all of it. I'd love it. Um, so well, you mentioned you so earlier, much, I, I'm skipping ahead. I'm sorry. I said I had one more question. I actually have two. First of all, I'll be thinking about what your favorite story is. Secondly, what I want to insert first, though, you said you're not really interested in playing anyone's music but your own. Are, have you sort of retired from? Touring or session work or sideman work or no. anything like that—are you not doing that anymore?
1: No, man. Okay. Look, I ain't old enough to retire. First of uh, well, all, well, that's what I thought. All. No. Yeah. Okay. No, it's just I've come to a point in my life where I, I take the gigs that I want to take, mm-hmm. and okay. a lot of them are happen to be my gigs. And I get to invite my best friends and or musician friends to come and play on my stuff. It's just right now, that's the way it's working out, you know, and I, and I have a band with my brothers called Ricky Peterson and the Peterson brothers. That's been great. Um, done a lot of, um, gigs with St. Paul and the Minneapolis Funk All-Stars playing the hits of Minneapolis with the people who performed on it. That's been great. And now I've got this new solo record coming out and hopefully I'll get the tour under that. So yeah. I'm just plenty busy.
0: Yeah, that's great. I'm
1: just, I, it made me
0: sad to think, well, what if Donnie calls? Is Paul like, eh, I'm done touring with Donnie Osmond or anyone else? You would, it would have not. to be the
1: right person, I'll tell you. Okay. What happens okay. to you,
0: right? That makes sense. Good. That's an enviable position. Okay. So, lastly, tell me your favorite story. You've seen a lot, Paul. I don't know if it was a gig, you played in front of 70,000 people, or you and Kenny sat in a Coffee shop one day, and he told you how he wrote, you know, heart to heart, or you and Donnie got in some deep religious conversation on a bus. Mm. Whatever it is, whatever is one of your Mm. standout stories, tell me.
1: Well, a funny story is I'm playing in front of 50,000 people on a plexiglass stage with my brother. I'm on a wireless system, and I'm thinking I'm cool, and I end up falling flat on my ass. And he makes it part of the show, and he comes over the top of me, and rocking out. And uh, it's just it, it's one of those things he will never let me forget, and uh, it, it's pretty dang funny. That's, That's one of great. my favorites. I don't think I've shared that very much.
0: Who were you? Who who were you performing with in front of fifty? Steve Miller 000- Band.
1: This was Steve Miller, probably okay. in front of the Grateful Dead. Yeah. Oh
0: my gosh, that is great. I love it. Well, look, Paul, thank you for talking with me. I have been curious what your story is for decades and i'm so grateful you shared it with me thank you so much honored to admit thank
1: you and to all your fans too appreciate thank it
0: thank you all right there you have it saint paul peterson such a fascinating story i love all i mean let's be honest anything relating to prince is fascinating but then to go from prince and morris day to all the other stuff that he's done is so interesting I want to close it out with one more song off of Break On Free. This is mini Forget Me Not. And it's so good. It's kind of a love letter back to Minneapolis. Thank you, Paul. And thank you, Scotty Coomer, for our buddy, for helping put that together. That means a lot to me, Scotty. Thank you. I was on Scotty's podcast about a year ago called 10 Junk Miles. This is also a running primarily. Uh, he does. He has runners on there. He made an exception for me for some reason. But anyway, thank you, Scotty. Maybe some of you guys found us through Scotty. Now, next week is another big one because next week we are talking to the 5th of the 7 Stevens. And if you've been listening this year, you know what that means. Another big-time producer, the 5th of the 7 Stevens. I'll leave it at that. Huge thanks, as always, to Yaniman Makavich, my right-hand man. Thank you, buddy, for everything. You guys can like our f- page on Facebook. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email, thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at The hustlepod. We also recorded a recap recently. That might be seeing the light of day this weekend. I'm not 100% sure, but I hope it does. So look out for that as well. All right? Thanks, everybody. We love you.
3: summertime living overdue sunshine but we'll always be chillin'. I wasn't born in the Midwest but it's where my heart rests I wear it on my chest
2: yeah,
3: Minneapolis family style metropolis cities twin and element history a testament just look at our prince I'll never forget it formerly known as a fearless we became a legend whole world shedding purple tears together Rain down upon us and living in our hearts forever in the park of Paisley. Musical genius, like the way in the bow weeks. We never get to hear the songs of yesteryear, but I'm grateful for all of the music given to our ears. And we're all about the music that we're trending in our time. Out of Minnesota, party like it's 1999. And if I get,